This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the MVSP episode two. My name is Joe Nagy. I'm joining my co-host, Brandon Worth. And Brandon, we have a very special guest today. Indeed, Our good friend, do. Sean. Sean, how's it going today, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, very, glad to have you on the very show. happy to have you on the show today. And if you want to be on a, a guest on this show, don't hesitate. F- find us on Twitter, at the MVSP. Send us a DM and say, oh, we want to get on the show. And yeah. tell us why you want to be on the show. And you may be lucky guest number two. I'd love to have you. So, Joe, go ahead. What are we going to start with? Uh, we had a very busy weekend here at the Ferris campus with the Red Out the Wink event. A uh, very good event for women's heart health. Um, men's basketball had a game. Women's basketball had a game. And hockey rounded out on the night. Uh, let's get into men's basketball, Brandon. Yeah, it, we indeed will start there. Uh, first off, there was a Thursday game. I was fortunate enough to catch the first half of the Tech game. And we ended up coming out on top. It was a pretty good game overall. It was very back and forth. Ended up six, uh, 76-71 in favor of our Bulldogs. And... Looking at uh, Michigan Tech, they were actually doing very well shooting the ball at the beginning of the game. They got this guy number 30, uh, Kyle Monroe. He, he ended up taking 17 shots. He made 10 of them, including 5-11 for 3. So he finished with 31. And uh, I believe he also had another game uh, earlier this year. I think it was against GV where he scored 40 or 50. I mean, he, he seemed like the guy that was going to lighten the shot clock, give him the ball, let him do his thing. But overall, it was just a pretty good game for us overall both teams ironically actually shot exactly 50 percent but um they they shot a little less than three we did it pretty well from the line i mean overall we had a good game and we didn't turn the ball over and i think that was the difference not to mention we actually lost to michigan tech at michigan tech when we played them last time and then they're also second in the north division of the gliac so that's a really big win for us uh setting us pretty well on top of the gliac for the north division yeah, absolutely. Um, great win for the Bulldogs. Great great time to get back on top before the weekend, especially after the loss to Northwood. But overall, moving on into the women's game on Thursday, uh, we ended up sneaking out a narrow, narrow victory. It was very close. We won 79-70, to but it was a very close game overall. Um, Riley Blair played a, a very, very good game. She's been the strong point of this team for so long. Uh, we took sole position of the GLIAC. We're now 10-5 and five in the conference, 16-7 and seven overall. And we've, we've just been, we've been rolling. This girls' team's really doing well. I mean, we didn't sh- they didn't shoot the ball very well, but they got boards. They got putbacks. Their second-chance points were much higher than Tech's. And that, I just feel like this Ferris team could do a lot of great things when it comes to the postseason. Very nice. But moving on to Saturday, I'll start it off with the men's game against Northern Michigan. Uh, we've always been a second half team. We started out slow. I mean, you're gonna test Sean. You were there as well. Yeah, the, the I noticed like Northern's three point attack and the men's game was it was outrageous. Like they were just draining threes left and right. Yeah, Eleven threes in the first and half. That, just. It was it was unbelievable, and that kind of like I think kind of like took the wind out of our sails at the beginning. Exactly. And then, yeah. Like, the second half, they started picking it up. Cause, all that hitting more threes, getting more buckets, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even so, you we had a couple of those times where we get like two or three steals off the fast or off the press, like right on the inbounds, and we get maybe two layups to get it. But then Northern would come right down and get a three, or just get fouled from the three point and make all three, and then that just kind of negates that fast uh, situation we had with all that momentum going our way. Yeah, Northern was they were really a shocking team. They're under five hundred. They got nothing to lose, and they sure didn't play. They sure played like they didn't have anything to lose. They went all out and gave us a real run for our money, especially from three. I mean, R- that's reminded me a lot of the Northwood game. Yeah, it reminded me. Yeah, a lot of the Northwood game. I mean, we were down five at the half. We ended up clawing back and winning this one by three. But overall, just we've been very good in the second half. It seems like we've always been able to adjust. It's been great coaching, all, all, everybody on deck, changing all, all of our stuff in the second half. I mean, Walt had 19, Greg had 11, uh, Cole Walker, Cole Walker had seven with six rebounds as well. I mean, it was just, it's one of those games where you're just like happy to get the W and not the L. Well, even so with just the crowd that we had, it was a really good one as well. Um, there was five lead changes during the whole game, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There literally just wasn't a clear front runner the whole game. And luckily with about two minutes left, we came, I think it was like a five, six point lead. 
and uh, we were able to take some time off the clock for Northern to just rush a last shot about, I'd say about 20 feet away mm-hmm. that they did a yeah. kind of a running, kind of running, running floater to try to tie it up, but they didn't they weren't able to get it to fall. And yeah. also the difference in three pointers. Looking at the stats, Northern took 33 threes wow. compared to Ferris only taking 19. Shh. Like ridiculous. You could tell I, Northern's yeah. a three-point heavy team. Yeah, and I I thought Ferris was a, a pretty three-heavy team, but Northern thirty-three threes. That they they definitely want to shoot the three ball. They feel so much confidence. And they shot it. basically the same percentage too. Yeah, forty-two percent. So yeah, they're they're looking pretty good. So maybe next year this Northern team may make a little run at it. But now moving on into the hockey game, um, to cap off the Red Out weekend. And this one and didn't turn out how we wanted it to. Yeah. But, but it was still great to see him out there. I mean, we only we only lost two nothing. I mean, it was a pretty close game and which we, we made a little run at the end. It just didn't turn out our way, but it's just kind of been a struggle this year for the hockey team and we we're pulling for them really really much, but they're they're just a, they're just a young team and we're just waiting for them to develop. They cuz they they haven't perform to the expectations and i'm not saying that they're underperforming i think that a lot of people have them like they should be a very very good team and comparably to the frozen four and this like kind of legacy we're trying to start but i just don't think this team's there yet but give them time and you know it's tough too because when we have such a reputation of being a good program with the success we've had in our in our program it's it's tough for them to come in every day to practice when they know there's people who are saying, oh, they're not as good as this team. They're not as good as the team before them. Mm-hmm. And to come in and try to compete every day against really tough teams in our conference, I just got to give them a lot of props too because that's just a really tough thing to do. Being on sports teams that have had those situations for myself, it's like you just got to give them a lot of props and a lot of uh, just a pat on the back for how hard they're really working. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking like – we had Austin Shaw in net, and he had 30 saves. And he had the one that was not saved, and that ended up being a goal. That ended up sparking the Tech team to take over in the third period. I believe it was um, with I'm just starting the third period, right? Yeah. But we're, we're, we're struggling. It's, it's obvious we're struggling. But uh, I'm, I would just give them time. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Just give them time. And it was still a great it was still a great uh, time to watch them, especially after the the boys and girls hoops games. So it was just a great. I think Red Out was fantastic. It was well ran, and um, I was, unfortunately wasn't there to see all of it due to my track meet, which we'll get into in a minute. But yeah, it was it was a great time to support um, Spectrum and Women's Heart Health. Just a, a great event, and thank you to everyone that came. Really, really, I believe the sports teams just absolutely loved having you guys as Definitely. fans. So, and then we'll we'll switch back around to the women's game. I uh, gotta still go over that. Still, um, uh, senior day once again. It was a great performance. Uh, Lily George had a season high of 16 points with five threes, uh, which is incredible. Riley Blair once again 23 points with seven rebounds. Uh, that performance capped her off for a GLIAC Player of the Week award. Congratulations. That is, that's her fifth time in her career, which is extremely, extremely impressive for how tough the GLIAC is in all the sports that we play. Um, just really big congratulations to her. Yeah, I think I think Riley was the key factor in that game, clearly. I mean, 13 points, or 23, I think she had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I accidentally have the first half stats. Oh, no, you're so, good. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think like she led the way and just everyone played off of her and they yeah. just they did phenomenal. And yeah, with those seven one. rebounds, uh, the, that just gives a really good situation too. She had five offensive rebounds, um, which just gives that second chance life. And I mean, there's just really good performance all the way around. Yeah, absolutely great, great win. And I mean, we we need, we talk about Riley Blair a lot, but she's just a, such a great leader and a catalyst for this team. Just everybody's behind her, everybody's just backing or backing her up. And like, it's it's it kind of is hard to have a role like that, especially with um like you're not gonna get the ball as much. But they've really just embraced um being able to give Riley a chance and let her do her thing, and everyone's just kind of letting her do her thing, and they'll be ready whenever they were needed. But I mean, the supporting pieces. I know personally how hard it is just to be a supporting piece, but it's. They've really embraced that, and I feel like that's what's helping this team do so well. And even so, this Northern team wasn't even a pushover. I mean, although they did outscore, or although Ferris did outscore them for three out of the four quarters, 
three of the northern players had were in double digits for scoring, mm-hmm. yep. and that's just uh, even much better of a win for them. Yeah, and um, capping off the um, Bulldogs in action over the weekend, uh, softball got their first win of their season in a split with Illinois Springfield, and then also um, men's tennis actually kicks off today, correct? Yep, down today. in Kalamazoo against yep. Western Michigan. They'll take on the Broncos, and then women's tennis over the weekend um, fell to a good Northern Iowa team, uh, 5-2. Uh, good, uh, it's it's the first one. It's the first one, so not not really a much of analyzing you can really do, but uh, it's great to see that all these teams are now starting to get rolling, especially now that spring's coming, and hopefully the snow's gone. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it was, what, 40 degrees the other day, and now it's – five inches last night of snow yeah. so what what can we expect michigan, in michigan? weather for you really. what can you expect in it's michigan? currently 34 degrees out right now just then so. ridiculous this <laughs> is this is outrageous <laughs> brandon <laughs> you alluded to your uh track meet that you had to go to saturday how did that go for you yeah it was it was very good we ended up going to big meet down in uh the dreaded gv but no um it was uh as it is said in the title it is a big meet there was about i believe three thousand athletes that competed over the two-day span it was pretty wild um uh stanley williams shout him out he won the men's long jump with a performance of just a tad under seven meters but he was the top long jumper for the weekend uh ben menapace he finished 19th in the 400 and uh, forest acres placed 19th in shot put and these these numbers may seem a little um far out i mean like 19 but you're you're talking how many um athletes are in these events i i can tell personally there was almost almost a hundred almost in some of these events it was just absolutely wild but um uh katie alamaki she placed 15th in the prime time heat one of the 5000 with um 17 16 page Dietering also got a personal best of 1844 and um the uh, sophomore Brianna Copley, she took 15th in shot put as well. And the 4x4 team, they had a 328 performance in the 4x4, which placed them ninth. So it was a really good weekend. It was glad to get out in some prime competition, especially now that conference is coming. But um, a lot of our guys were sick or um, almost banged up. So it was kind of one of those weekends where now we had the flu going around campus and we had guys that were on the hump for injury a little bit but it was it was good to see everybody getting to primetime competition especially taking on some of these amazing amazing um, programs I mean we had Miami Ohio was there we had other schools like GV especially just because they have always been a top division two program for so many years then we got others like Saginaw Valley there was even some uh, Michigan State club team and Western there's all these really good really good squads that we had to face so it was good to see you Hudson primetime competition definitely very eventful weekend for Ferris sports uh, we're going to transition to everyone's favorite part of the show. It's Joe's random fact of the day, boys. Cool. I got a pretty good one for you today. All right, hit it. In 2004, which player finished second place in the Heisman voting but was the highest finish ever for a freshman athlete? Wow, 2004. Man, I don't know. I have no – I'm drawing a blank too. I want to say it's Tebow, but I don't think that's right. I'll give you a hint. He, he was a, He's a running back for the Oklahoma Sooners. Man, I'm, I feel I still. I feel like I rem- oh, gosh, Oklahoma. I really thought that was going to be a dead giveaway for you boys, but I I'll, I'll, I'll give it I'll give it to you right now. It's uh Adrian Peterson. Oh, oh duh. that makes sense. But I was like Oklahoma running backs. The only thing I could that's, think of was Barry Sanders from Oklahoma State, but they, you know, that's not 2004, <laughs> yeah, but you know. Not. The but yeah, great fact of the day. Tell tell your friends say, "Yeah, Joe's fact of the day. Learned you got it from the MBSP. Yeah, the, yeah. M- the MBSP. The only place you'll get your random fact of the day. Talking about college football, we're going to switch. Michigan State head coaching job. We talked about it a little bit on last show. Mel Tucker, uh, how do you boys think that's going to affect uh, against Michigan football with Harbaugh recruiting just uh, in the season as well? That's going to be a very I, – I read an article about this. It's going to be very interesting now that Mel Tucker's came back, and it's pretty obvious that since he w- – had that contract with Colorado and he came back he either got convinced hardcore with money or something or he just really wants to come back now so you're very gonna have to see 
what he does in the recruiting because obviously if you're in Michigan and you're a prime athlete, Jim Harbaugh is going to be looking at you. And now with D'Antonio, it was almost – he was a great recruiter, you could say, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't as good as Harbaugh. But now Mel Tucker has the experience of – with Colorado and he he brought a pretty good team there I mean they were only five and seven but that's only his first year not everybody does good their first year but it's gonna be interesting to say the least I mean interesting interesting I'm I'm repeating myself but we just don't know what Mel Tucker is gonna bring and obviously he's gonna try to make his run at these recruits but you wonder how it's going to be with Harbaugh and also he's bringing some guys uh, from Colorado with him the quarterbacks coach um and offensive coordinator Jay Johnson, along with the offensive line coach Chris Kapalovic. Hopefully, I'm saying his name right. Uh, which those are both very good coaches. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and we we mentioned it last podcast as well that he's a he's a guy that was under Saban. He was under him with um, during his time over there at um, as the defensive coordinator when I believe he was still a grad assistant. So he has he has experience with how Michigan State runs their football program, at least back then. Not sure how much it is now, but it it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be interesting to see now with the new coaching change how many recruits might flip away or even flip towards now that Mel Tucker is the Spartans head coach. Right. And I'm personally a Michigan State fan, so Oh, oh man, no. get off the show, no. Sean. This, uh, I'm, we're just kidding. I, I honestly think Michigan State rushed this hire a little bit. Really? I think they could have waited a little bit, maybe tried to get maybe like a Jim McElwain from Central Michigan. Oh, interesting. I think there was better options that they could have got. And I, I don't know. I think just with Michigan State's past history with the Larry Nasser stuff and all that, I think that could also affect recruiting still. And just a lot like of yeah, outside, I just I see sources. recruiting still being down, and I see Michigan State maybe barely breaking five hundred, if if that. Yeah, I mean you can't just t- or you can't just put the guy up. Oh yeah, we're gonna go to the national football playoff in his first year. Uh, that's not gonna happen. It's gonna be a process. But yeah, that is very interesting that your thought is on that. And I thought they might have rushed it a little bit too. I mean, it was only a what a week after yeah, Antonio was like gone that. that they hired Mel Tucker. So they either obviously they felt like they had the pressure they needed a coach right now, or they just really wanted to bring him and they weren't they weren't thinking twice. So it'll be I think this season's really gonna be what's gonna tell the tale of the answer to that question, how this team does. So we'll, we'll see. We'll wait and see. And you know it also is kind of a tough thing for athletes too because coming up on the summer that's coming up quick as well. And for guys who are like recruited by D'Antonio that are coming in this year. They might be thinking, well, we don't have a coach yet. So, like, I don't know if I still want to go to Michigan State. I don't know if I want to do that or if I want to switch over. So that's just going to be a tough thing for – that was probably why they rushed it so fast too as well. Yeah, it should be very interesting as now we will transition over to basketball in the collegiate circuit. Last on the show, we talked a little bit about our Big Ten standings, who was playing hot, who's not, who's going to be the team that's going to run the tournament. So we'll get back to that. Joe, how do you feel with your Ohio State pick after this weekend, brother? <sighs> not, not, <laughs> not super good right now. No, don't worry. My, um, my, uh, my Hawkeyes lost as well. So, But they're still third. That is true. Sean, We're who common. do you think you got in the Big Ten so far? Uh, I mean, I'm a Michigan State fan. I'd love to say Michigan State, but I think the team that they played Saturday night, Maryland, oh, is yeah. I, I, th- I think they're too good. Maryland I, is a great, great team, and I said that as well. The only thing I'm worried about before I put Maryland on pencil and paper as the champion is how they play in the tournament. Because how many times have we seen them as a top seed in the Big Ten tournament and then fell? And 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 also too, you got Penn State too. Dude, yeah, sitting there at second. Dude, those those two teams right there. They're lurking, so they're, they're very, very good teams. Coming. Yeah. So. Don't sleep on the Wolverines though. And I mean, and I mean, you Definitely potentially Ju- have Howard, coach of the year. You also potentially have ten to possibly eleven teams in the Big Ten getting in the national in the in the tournament. Oh so, yeah, like We're, the Big Ten is so stacked. So like, I think the Big Ten tournament's anyone's game. Like, I mean, you could see Indiana maybe, like Purdue. I mean, it, it's hard telling. Like, yeah. what could happen? Ab- I absolutely agree with that. I mean, 
Indiana, the team you just mentioned, they're 11th in the Big Ten right now, but they're on the bubble to make the tournament. And they're 11th in our conference. They're 16-9 and right now, and they have, they've gotten a couple of quality wins, I believe. they've Were they the ones that beat Maryland? I don't – that doesn't sound right, but – I'll have to take a look. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Joe, Joe, will take a look at that. But um, they've beaten, I believe, a, one, at least one of the top Big Ten teams. And I agreed completely, Sean, that this is a wide open Big Ten tournament. The, nope. There's so many teams that have beat each other, and they've just mixed up the standings. I mean, you're looking one through nine, and they're it's 21 and four and 16 and nine overall. And I believe all of these teams at one point of the season have been ranked in the top 25. Uh, Wisconsin is the only one I'm unsure of, oh. but I mean they're they're kind of the the sleeper because they're 15 and 10. They've struggled, but in the Big Ten they've brought it together. Sure. They're eight and six, even though they've um, they've struggled parts of the early of the season. And I, but and I also think that Michigan, or I think like the Big Ten could see everyone in the tournament except for like Nebraska and Northwestern. I mean, them are the only two teams below 500. Everyone's oh, yeah. either 500 or above in the yeah, Big Ten. Both so. of those teams are in a rebuilding stage yeah. for sure. Those those two teams and Minnesota, we can even make bet they could make a run and become a sleeper team to make the tournament. They might play well in the tournament even, and one of those teams drops off. So. Should be interesting. In Maryland as well, they've lost to Wisconsin, Iowa, and oh, it's Wisconsin, Penn State in the Big Ten so far. Gotcha. Okay, it was Wisconsin then. Wrong, wrong red team. There's too many red teams in the Big Ten. Is there not? I mean, Maryland. I mean, that is true. Maryland, I mean, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Indiana, Nebraska. You can even say Minnesota, but they're really not red. They're more. more they're more of a like maroon. Yeah, maroon yeah. burgundy color. But anyway, it's like Ferris's old colors that we used to have. Oh, yeah. The maroon and yellow. I'm a big fan of the colors we have now. Anyway. Right, oh, we're, get, we're getting way off topic right <laughs> anyway, now. Anyway, now moving on, in, we'll talk a little bit in the professional circuit of hoops. We'll talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend coming. That Or coming. What? No. Um, That just <laughs> happened. But anyway, what are your guys' thoughts on this new All-Star format? Um, well, Mike's and Takes talked about it a little bit on their episode Friday. They got a new... I don't know if they just uploaded theirs or it's about to be uploaded. Go check theirs out. Um, but I I didn't really know. It took a long time for me to figure out what the format was mm-hmm. with, like, the 24-point set score or whatever it was. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. And I, I really honestly like the target score, but <clears> – excuse <throat> me. I, the target score, I when I first read about it, I was like, what? Why in the world are we doing a target score? But it actually made the game so much more exciting at the end because teams were like, "Oh, we don't. It's not five minutes. It's hey, if we get to this number first, we win." Like that. That's and I can think a hundred percent of the population, maybe not a hundred percent, but everybody that watched the All Star game would say that was a much more exciting end of the All Star game. Just to see everybody absolutely going as hard as they can to try and win for charity, especially with the target score. I like it. I love it. I think that was really cool, and I think it really brought people um, the interesting look of the All-Star game that everyone's wanted to see for a long time. I really haven't. And also, I think they did a really good job uh, before the game with that tribute to Kobe by uh, – who, who sung it? Was it uh, – I believe it was Dr. Dre. Who sung it? Oh, no. Never there, mind. There's someone who – I think Somebody it was Jennifer it. Hudson maybe that sang it. Uh, I can't remember. I, yeah. I'll have to look it up, but I thought it was a really good tribute to him. Uh, also, with just what they were doing with the set score, uh, just kind of showed a lot of class for how much Kobe did for the game. Yeah, I think the All Star Game format. I at first I was like a little skeptical with the, like like the set score and all that, and the fourth and all that. But like, I loved that fourth quarter. I think that fourth quarter was fun. I, I honestly think it was the most defense that I've ever seen in any All Star Game period. Oh yeah, like. We it, had a, it was crazy. There was a like, charge at the end of the game. When's yeah. the last time you see a charge in an NBA right. game, no less? Yeah. I so, mean, like, I thought the first three quarters were, like, kind of slow. You know, like, oh, it's still going and this and that. But once that fourth quarter hit, I really started turning it, like, like looking at it and all that. Because mm-hmm. it was more exciting, like, because there was actually defense being played. Because you never see defense played in an all-star game. Yeah. Never. And- some records were broken over this game as well. Team LeBron tied the singles quarter record with 53 points, and James set the record by starting a 16th All-Star game, which 
was a mark he shared with Kobe. And he also passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most all-star minutes ever in a career. So congrats to LeBron as well. And yeah, obviously, Joe, you mentioned it earlier, the Kobe tribute. I think that was fantastic, Um, especially the players wearing number two and 24. I think that was really special. And I think that was that made the game just so much better. I mean, a lot of people were tuning in now because of what has happened. But uh, a lot of celebrities were there. A lot of uh, fans were there. And it was, it was a good night. I think it was a great All-Star weekend. I don't know about the dunk contest, though. Sean, I know you have a thought about it. So what? Are, give Rob, us the hot that's take. That's all I got to say. Rob? Aaron Gordon got completely robbed. All right. he, he dunked over a 7-foot-5 taco fall. How is that not a 50? I don't know. Like, how is that not a 50? Aaron Gordon's been robbed out of a lot of stuff. Yeah. The dunk contest. Because when, when he... He's I not, think I honestly he think he got robbed in the Levine dunk contest. I don't know about you guys. I was but. Say, he took a seat in midair. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I think Derek Jones is an or Derek Jones Jr. is an amazing dunker. I I I think he was fantastic. What I just didn't feel like he really really deserved it is he was doing similar or identical dunks. He, he was like doing every dunk was between the legs. I think yeah. like. Every single dunk, except for maybe one or two, was yeah, the on, between the legs. I dunk. believe the only one that was not was a, the windmill from one foot inside the free throw line. But I I just love the Aaron Gordon. He was doing so much different stuff. I mean, he was doing um, he was doing the dunk over Taco Fall. He was doing the that um when he caught it in one air and did the three sixty windmill. I thought that was All off the side of the yeah. I thought that, that was one yep. of the best dunks I've ever seen in the dunk contest. That was a really sick dunk. But yep. he just brings he brought so much more variety, and that's why I I had him a little bit more over Derek Jones because it's like yeah we know you can fly and do between the legs, but what else can you do to show us you are the best dunker? That's that's all I have to say. I I actually do agree. I think Aaron Gordon had the better dunks, but I I actually will admit. Derek Jones dunks with, like he dunks the ball hard. Like, oh yeah, he, he's vicious with Absolutely it. Absolutely, it's, it's insane. Like, I I couldn't believe it. Like, and it's nothing against Derek Jones Jr. I just think, I just think the dunk over Taco Fall should have sealed it for Aaron Gordon. My yeah. my favorite part about the weekend was all the memes that came from the judges' <laughs> contest. Uh, D Wade with the the um, what what would you say was is it? Would you say that was a troll? When he put out the thing that said, oh, I'm looking to see who else was the one that put up the nine. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm not the only one that put up a nine, <laughs> y'all. I got a, it was a 47. Right. That, my, my, math, my, my math is right. right. One nine does not make a 47. <laughs> but that was hilarious anyway. And, and I honestly think even, like, the dunk over Taco Fall should have been, like, a 48. It should have been a tie. I mean, again. Like, yeah. Or, I don't know. What could have been? Honestly, okay, if I was ever a, a judge for the dunk contest, I'd be a pretty vicious judge. Because it's like, okay, I can't dunk a ball worth guard. Like, I, can forget, <laughs> like, I can't I can, either. I can, uh, <laughs> none of us can. I'm about, like, I'm like about three inches away from even touching the rim. I have no vertical. Okay. But I would. the only time I would feel like if I would dunk, uh, rate a dunk a 10 is if, like, I was standing up in my chair and just, like, flabbergasted for how crazy the dunk was yeah and we've seen so many dunks that are identical to previous contests we just i want to see more creativity i mean i we see new dunks every year and i love that i just want to see more and more and more i just i i will absolutely not vote for somebody if they do the same dunk as somebody did like last year or something which i mean what it's hard too because there's so many dunks you can do, and there's so many dunks that they have seen before. So that's I, I understand that part of it. But all, my point is, I just want to see more creative. And also go back to the dunk contest and Dwight Howard doing the tribute to Kobe and all yep, that. That, that was, was that was very that cool was as well. Nice and all that. So. Yeah, I didn't catch that. What did he do? He like he like brought out like a signed Kobe ball and yep. all that, and, and he, he was wearing his it. cape. Yep. And he had, like, number 24 instead of, like, the Superman logo. Yeah, it was cool. But it wasn't classy. Very I kind of wish he would have did something a little bit cooler. But, you know, it's still, it's for Kobe. Wow, Brandon, it's not good enough for you. Kobe's not good enough for you. That is not what I said at all, for one. No, but he, like, he like did his little, um, he was, like, his Superman signature kind of thing where he was dunking with one hand. I wanted to see him, like, throw it down pretty hard. But right. He didn't. But, no, it was still a great, great tribute to Kobe with that dunk. 
But also Buddy Heald winning the three-point contest, and that was pretty exciting. Him and D-Book having a, a great finale. We ended up coming down to the last money ball, and Buddy Heald ended up winning it. I personally had the whole the Grand Rapids date of Devin yeah, Booker. Yeah, I, I wanted to see Devin Booker win, but I, I was also rooting for Duncan Robinson just because go blue, but... Yeah, he kind of left in the first round. We don't have to talk about that, though. But, um, yeah, both guys shot the ball really well. It was really exciting to see, especially coming out of the wire, that Buddy Heald was getting so hot at the end, and then he just beating Booker on that last shot, just icing on the cake. And it was cool to see them both, um, like, dap it up and respect at the end. I think that was really cool. Nobody took it hard at all. I'd say all around, this is probably one of the best All-Star weekends. Yeah. For the past couple of years. I mean, who didn't like Stephen A. getting a technical in the celebrity game, right. too? That was hilarious. But And also, Miles Bridges won an MVP of the Rising Stars. That game. is true. Miles Bridges did win the MVP in the Rising Stars, which that's actually been pretty cool, too. I mean, yep. you got you had Luca hit that half court or two. I think and that's then, probably. And then, and then uh, Zion bricking every lob, <laughs> self-lob. Yeah. Jot to Zion, <laughs> 50% lob ratio. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, we're going to move on now into the new sport of the spring, the XFL. We've had a weekend of action that some of you guys might have missed with All-Star Weekend, so we want to fill you in about what happened over the weekend. We will start with the Saturday games. As we um, First off, what did you guys think about when this XFL is coming out compared to what you saw now? I was extremely excited. Because I remember looking at, I remember talking to my dad and my brother when the original XFL came out, when like Vince McMahon first decided to do it. And they were like, I loved it because there was no rule. Like there was for back then when the NFL was actually like pretty fun to watch because there's big hits. The XFL was like even bigger hits. And like that's when they were like super excited. And the only thing that I think people were like worried about was if it was going to be competitive because it is like kind of like the guys who got rejected by the NFL, didn't really make it too far, maybe got to the practice squads and didn't make it, and they were kind of worried about whether it was going to be competitive, good football. And I think we've seen a lot already with my Roughnecks doing really good on defense with pick sixes, picks all the time. There's been really good passes on the plays. There's just been really good runs. I think they've really just kind of not cemented themselves because it's our, it's only two games in the or two weeks in the first inaugural season, but – I think they're just doing a really good job of making their case on why the XFL is going to be not a competitor for the NFL, but just a another football season for a lot of fans to look forward to. Yeah, and we'll, we might as well start with that game. I'm just going to get it over with. Yeah, Joe's Roughnecks beat my Battlehawks 28-24. And I'm kind of mad because, I mean, I didn't really I didn't watch the game in full. I know we had way more yards than you guys did, but we just didn't execute at the end. So... That's all I have to say about that. We're still winning it all. I don't care. We're still winning it all. It's only week two. We're still one and one. I would I would actually hate to tell you, Brandon, but I think DC's winning it all. And also Cardinal Jones, the former Ohio State quarterback, is gonna win the MVP. I have to tell you both. The, the Roughnecks are winning it all. Okay. <laughs> Homer. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> No. Sean, I, I have to give you some credit. The D C defenders are probably the hottest team out there with Cardell Jones and they're, we're almost seeing kind of like a Rams-esque in the NFL back a couple of years ago when they were bringing out the jet sweeps, the trick plays. We're seeing all the creativity from the defenders. And, I mean, shutting out a team 27-0, to doesn't matter what league you're in. You're still doing it against a professional team. Extremely and that's impressive. Very impressive. And, um, also, Travis's team over from Mike's and Takes, the Seattle Dragons, took the dub yesterday over the Tampa Bay Vipers, 17-9. In their first win. Yep, and then to finish it off for sun- the Sunday game, Dallas Renegades defeated the Wildcats 25-18. And I actually watched part of this game. I watched three plays, right? I turn on my TV. Three straight turnovers. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> but no, there was a pick, there was a fumble, and then another fumble. It was just kind of wild. But Renegades dominated in yardage, offensive plays. They controlled the ball, and they had it longer, and that's how they won. Definitely. Yeah. So there's your XFL recap. And now it's time for the good stuff. Boys, MLB predictions came out. Uh, We're going to be talking about a little bit of what we think is going to go on in this MLB season. We are very excited for this segment, fellas. Oh, boy. Let's get it started. So 
Who wants to do their predictions first? Sean is the guest. Would you like to start us off? I guess. Okay. All right. I, I, I actually have every division here, so I'll just go through the winners of each division. All right, go ahead. In the AL East, I got the Yankees. I think they're going to finish with the best record in the MLB. Okay. I think the Garrett Cole signing is... Oh, yeah. That was I think huge. that just puts them over the top Absolutely with that huge. loaded lineup and all that. Uh, the Central, I got the Twins still. Okay. I think the Twins, they're a good hitting lineup. Pitching may be a little weak, but I think they can build through that with, with the trade deadline. And okay. All that. In the AL West, I still have the Houston Astros, despite everything that's going on. Their lineup is still too good. All right. That. With, and I got the Angels maybe sneaking in there. I got okay. them second. And then, and then in the AL East, I have the Braves still. I think they're going to be one of the You mean NL East? Teams. Yeah. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And then in the Central, I got a team that is going to arguably the team that has had the best offseason in the MLB. The Cincinnati Reds are going to take wow. the NL Central wow. over the St. Louis wow. Cardinals. Wow! Yep. And then in the NL West, I got the Dodgers, and okay. I got probably the Yankees Dodgers World Series with Yankees taking it all. All right. I would actually love to see that World Series. That oh. World Series would be like the probably the two most iconic teams in the MLB going at it. I actually did have the Atlanta Braves in the World Series before, but then after the Mookie Betts trade and all that, I think that just that puts them over the top and oh again all right so there's sean's picks joe what's what do you have different hot take here fellas tigers are still going to suck this year (laughs) um i hate to say i've been a tigers fan my whole life and i mean it's just so tough because you we've seen so much success already in our lifetime so far but it's just tough to have these situations where we're just in the rebuilding stage for so long but um, I got to agree with a lot of what Sean said with a lot of your picks. I think Dodgers are going to come out on top with Betts and probably arguably probably going to be the best outfield this year with Betts and Bellinger. Yep. Um, it's going to be just a – just once again, it's just going to be homer after homer for that team with the amount of just mashers that they have there. Um, I also have another shocking pick too. The former Tiger, Nick Castellanos. Could win an L M V P this year. That's a hot take. I'm wow. That's a hot take. I'm calling it. That is the right hottest here. of takes right, right here, right now. You realize right. who think, you realize who else is in the you all, you realize who else is in the NL? Yeah. But, Chief. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> but I'm also going based on like last season. I think Nick Castellanos was arguably the hottest hitter after the trade deadline. That is true, but do you think the, he'll keep it up too? I think he could. I I mean because I mean, because of the Reds' ballpark is a hitter-friendly ballpark. Like, he could – I think he could hit 30, 40, maybe even 50 home runs. I mean. And that's true because Trevor Bauer was on – when right. he was on – when they were both – when he was on the Indians and Castellanos was on the Tigers, they faced each other a lot. And you already know he's yep. going to face him a good amount already. Yep. So Yeah. And, I mean, obviously we're saddened by Castellanos' leaving, but – you still got to admit that he's doing really well for himself. Blastianos. Blastianos. Blast off. But anyway, I have one disagree. At least one. No, I'm just kidding. I have one disagree, and that's in the NL Central. I really love the Reds, what they're doing, but I'm still sold on Milwaukee. I just love what they're doing. Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, there was with the best free agent pickups we've seen. I've and Christian Yelich is arguably the one of the best and one of the best in the business. That's who for I sure. think is going to win NL MVP. This yeah, year. and he was really close he, last he year. He was going to, except he had the injury, and that just. I I am I am I am actually do agree with you, Brandon. Okay. But pitching. Pitching. What are they going to do about pitching? They'll figure it out. Their their pitching they have, rotation is horrible. They still have a great bullpen. Yeah. So if they can make it six innings, they're going to be fine. I'm I'm just. I think starting pitching, they're going to need. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they don't. There's still a good amount of time. They can still make some moves. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of sleeper guys who are out there. Plenty of season left. But there's also um, the AL Central. You could argue that the White Sox are going to be really good as well. They've been been signing people left and right. I think the Reds and the White Sox have been the two biggest winners of this this offseason. Oh, yeah. Sleepers, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have I'd probably add the Angels in there just because yep. I love the additions they've. Yep. Yeah, I love the additions they put it with Mike Trout. Now it, it actually 
feels to me like they're actually going to care about really, really trying to win now. So obviously there's a lot of good teams out there, and I have a bold prediction the Tigers will win 75 games. Finish fourth? Yes. Central. You will finish so? fourth. Even yes. though we were four games off our worst losing season this year? Yes. Didn't we have like 115 losses this year? Yeah, we had the, I think 114. I think it was 114. Was not, like 114 as, not as bad as 119 loss yeah. season a couple of years ago. but Very yeah. true. But, but hey, after that 119 loss season, pretty soon after, we had a really good team. Yep. So we did. I'm very excited you, you for what's going to come. And I also did see like the MLB's like actual predictions, and they and they did have the Tigers fourth in the Central, I which bl- which shocked me. Yep. I was like, I was like, what? I believe it. Like, I'm on the they're, train. They're giving us a little bit of I'm hope. On, you, you've never gotten off the train. <laughs> no, I'm on the 75 win train. <gasps> I I got. I believe that uh, MLB had 69 wins for. Yeah, it was tra- something like that. 69. Nope. Yeah. Um. Whoop, my bad. Um. Yeah, I believe they can get 75. I mean, I think they got a lot of young talent. I mean, I think Cameron Maben's a really good addition as well. I love that I, having him back. That'll just make our outfield so much faster. He can steal bases, which I feel like we've struggled for a long time. And, and with the young bases. team that we have right now, he's a very experienced player. Oh yeah, he's a great mentor for a lot of those outfielders, especially you got guys like Christian Stewart, and then you can even put Goodrum in the outfield if you really want to. You got Jacoby Jones back there too. There's just a lot of good pieces back there. I feel like we're gonna be. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if we won 65 to 70 games. I'm shooting for 75. Shooting for the stars, better and miss than shoot low and hit. So and I'm I, gonna go for it. I'm excited though for those uh, Detroit summer days, going down there watching some games for some good Michigan baseball. I'm really excited. Yeah. And 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 I also do have one more take here. Okay, yeah, sure. AL MVP, Aaron Judge. All right, let's go on to Calling the next. <laughs> let's go on to the next subject. Here. No, um, that's a very. You really think so? Very yes. interesting. Yes. Oh that's man, a, I think he's gonna. I think last season he kind of had a little bit of an off year, and I think this year I think he's gonna have a good bounce back year and have like a rookie, like his rookie year type season, and ma- and even possibly better. I definitely don't agree with that. <laughs> okay, Joe. I don't think Aaron Judge will. I think he'll have a good season. I'm not knocking you about that, but I do not think he'll win AL MVP by a long shot. By I'm, I'm, I'm long actually not shot? saying it's going to be a long shot. I'm saying it no, could no, be a close I, no, vote. I, no, I'm I, just, I just don't think he's going to You're be saying running. when it's time. I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be in the running for AL okay. MVP. Okay, that's, that's fair. But um, I, I, I am actually did call sound, the Mookie Betts MVP, just, just, so, just so you guys are aware. So it's possible. I don't know. Okay, but I feel like you could even make the argument that uh, maybe maybe I won't say it. No, should, say, it. say it. Should I say it? Say it, say Brandon. It. Do it. I don't know. Should I say it? Say Brandon, it. we're literally saying say it. Say it. Mike Trout will win again. Of course. Yeah, that's true. I feel like it's got to be. I mean... Could you even? Could you? You could He's also. He's not had a bad. He hasn't had a bad year. No, and that's the best. The best part is if you if you want it, you could almost bet on Mike Trout being in the like the running every single year. So. I mean, he's not a bad pick. I mean, there's a lot of people that you could dark horse pick. You could pick Josh Donaldson even if you wanted to. Right. Really. Yeah. You could pick a lot of different guys. And now you could put Mookie in the NL. I mean, with the Dodgers, I feel like he's going to have a lot more. Um, home runs, but I think you also put Ronald Acuna in there, who was actually my pick, probably. For yeah, I w- I was about to mention Acuna too. Yep. Um, obviously Acuna has played. I love that Braves team. They're just a young upstart team that I think they're going to win their division for sure. But and if you have a disagreement with me, then you're wrong. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think the Phillies could even sneak in, and I mean Harper, maybe, maybe Bryce Harper. I mean, if if the Phillies do good, I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm I'm not as sold as the Phillies as some people are. I I just I don't see it yet. I see what they have on paper. I had I haven't seen it on the field, but I mean I mean I mean I have them third, but I have the National second. So okay, like I don't Who, know. What about Cy Young Award winners? Who do you guys got? Garrett Cole in the uh, AL. Yeah. 
Garrett that's, Cole. That's, I think that's a no-brainer. Are you kidding me? No, I'm just kidding. You, okay, I was you, about to say, like, you if could, you're betting against Garrett Cole, like, you could put Garrett Cole in there, obviously. You could even put money on Verlander if you wanted Verlander. to. There's a lot of good AL guys. And there's another sleeper out there, Mike Clevenger. He's that been playing very good baseball, especially good. last year. But NL Cy Young, I'm going to have to go with an unknown guy, Walker Bueller. I, I think, think he's, so? he's going to do it. I mean, he's going to have to challenge DeGrom, obviously. He's going to have to um, challenge Scherzer. He's going to have to challenge Strasburg. But I think he can do it. I think he's really good in those high-pressure situations. Like, I think he can do it. I think so too. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of gonna chuggle right now because I'm checking the uh, MLB's predictions. It says the Tigers have a zero percent chance of making the postseason, and I just get a laugh. Well, out that's of that. obviously wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> it. Mm, just put point one. Make us feel something. <laughs> Make us feel like we have a chance. Yeah, don't just throw us in the trash and leave us there. But like, come on, whatever. Come on. Whatever. Honestly, but, but anyway, f- finishing out the show. The Daytona 500 finally that ended. Was, that was a big race. Finally ended last night. Yes, it is Monday. You'd heard that right. It finished Monday because of the due to the inclement weather on Sunday. They postponed it till Monday. There's only 20 laps in to the race when they restarted it on Monday. But after the chaos, after the big crash, after everything that happened, Denny Hamlin came back on top for a back-to-back. What did what did you guys think of the race? I think I didn't really catch a lot of it. I was walking back from one of our RSO meetings uh, mm-hmm. with one of our friends, Brennan, or Brennan, excuse me, and uh, he said, "Oh, here, look at the last lap. I'm watching the Daytona 500 right now." And literally in the last final breakaway, Ryan Newman was actually in first, and then um, Ryan Blaney was trying to make a move on t- to I think it was the left side. And he actually bumped the back of Ryan Newman's car, and his car like turned, flipped skidded for probably like all the way past the finish line yep and then there's an open flame and everything that's why denny hamilton was actually able to make a move because everyone's kind of slowed up and then he went around the bat around uh newman and was able to get the win but uh 190 miles per hour that he was skidding at yeah that's i mean obviously that's very scary and he went he ended up going to the hospital he was in serious condition last night we can confirm he is in stable condition right now but, Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, thank goodness. Praying for his family. Um, but obviously, you said it perfectly, Joe. Ryan Newman was going to win this race, and um, with Blaney was pushing him, and I, I, I really think he would have held off Blaney if he would have tried to make a move at the end. But obviously, getting into the back, and then once, once you're going sideways, it's scary, especially with how fast he was they're on going. the outside too. So like, even after all those laps and all the debris on the outside, it's easy for that car going that fast to catch even Something. the littlest thing and. Yeah, that can cause it to start flipping. Yeah, and that just shows you how much air airflow and ventilation really, really um, contributes to if these you, race cars. If you look at the picture as well, um, from let me see if I can still find. It. I literally just had it up here. The car, they have a picture of it like all the way up at like max out max uh, vertex. I guess you could say from yeah. where it was, and it's about, I'd say probably about a good ten feet up in the air. Yeah. From where uh, Newman is actually at in the car. Yeah, that's that's really and scary. Going that fa- going that fast from that height, I can't imagine how much that would have hurt. Um, we, it's just something you will never ever feel to how that crash occurred until you would be a part of it, and obviously you don't want to be a part of it. I mean, it's just a unique experience that only the driver's really gonna ever remember and experience. You can't really just. Oh, I can imagine how what pain he's in. No, you really no, can't. No. Especially for going 190 miles per hour, suddenly getting turned, blink your eye, and you're up 10 feet in the air, upside down, and you just land on your hood. And then also, plus he got hit right like where the like where, where like the drivers like climb into the car and all that. Like he he hit right there. Oh yeah. Too. So I'm, like that's another scary. It, yeah. Yeah. You, you think. And I I have so much respect for NASCAR drivers because you're driving 200 miles per hour, and that's that's pretty hard enough to like stay stable and not getting like panicking. They have so much composure, but you got 42 other guys to worry about. 
like i mean obviously if you're in the front you really don't have all of them to worry about but when you're surrounded especially in the last five laps of these races, you can almost guarantee there's going to be a wreck and it's going to be a big one because everyone's together everyone's making last like last chance moves nothing left on the table they're just going to go they're going to find their guy and they're going to roll with it and guys get risky and that's when these like accidents and crashes happen so it's just so scary to see but obviously we're we're praying for ryan newman that he's gonna have a good recovery and that he'll hopefully be back on the racetrack but that's obviously his choice he's been doing it a long time and he's been a he's been a you could say he's a very well-known legend in the sport and they also said too his injuries were non-life-threatening so that's that's positive that is very positive but very, yep. got, got out there lucky yeah live to see another day which is really good for him yeah and obviously more people know ryan newman than some of the other guys i mean there's so many young guys now and all the old guys that are gone that we grew up like jeff gordon and dale earnhardt obviously to name a couple jimmy's now, last year yep too. jimmy's leaving this year and it's 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 something that we hope that the sport goes back up because i mean it's it's like one of america's sports you could really like make an argument for it's like baseball where it's kind of a pastime. I mean, you're watching cars go in a circle, but when it gets to the last 50 laps, it gets exciting. There's yeah. lots of things that happen. So, And actually, and, personally, coming from experience, like I've actually went to a couple of the Michigan races a few times. Oh, that's pretty cool. It, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. It's a cool. blast. Did you, this kind of, it's still on top. Did you guys ever have play on the PS2, the NASCAR, yep. the NASCAR video yep. games, with the wheel and the pedals and stuff? I never had that. I have. I actually have NASCAR Heat Two on my Xbox. I bought it cheap, but it's it's a cool game. Like just playing those games. Like I was never a NASCAR fan, but just like still, it just kind of gives you like those situations where like, man, like this is actually like a really fun sport to watch. Like it's actually like, really cool. Like just to see like the amount of skill and just how how much adrenaline is pumping through those guys' veins at those oh. situations where they have to make those decisions of driving at two hundred plus miles an hour. With probably three or four cars right next to him, and that's just a situation where just how do you keep your composure, especially when you got, and I mean these guys all have characters as well. You know, like some guys are gonna make moves, some guys are gonna stay consistent, some guys are aggressive. I mean Kyle Busch, obviously he's one of the more aggressive drivers we've ever seen, and I mean he has a lot of wins, but he also has a lot of times where he gets wrecked as well. Mm-hmm. But you just. You, ev- there's so much these drivers are thinking about. It's absolutely incredible that they keep their composure and they are keeping their awareness up while going 200 miles per hour. Yeah, and that's an any sport really, but... Yeah. Fellas, what should we call it there for today? Yeah, I great- think, yep, I think that's going to be the end of the day. Thank you guys for tuning in to the MVSB, the second installment of our podcast. Sean, we very appreciate you coming on. Yep, th- thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Very good day. Hope you guys have a great Western day. We'll be back on Thursday afternoon. Um, try to bring some more content for you guys. Tomorrow, Mike's and Takes uploads another one as well, as well as Friday. Make sure you guys go check them out as well. Uh, we'll try to give them a plug on our Twitter as well. So if you haven't, follow us on Twitter at the MVSP. Uh, hopefully, you guys have a good rest of your week. We'll see you guys Thursday. Yep. See you guys later. See you.